Green Pastures are the weekly devotions published by Vineyard Boise, consisting of four parts, the reading, the reflection, the question, and the prayer. Green Pastures for Tuesday, December 19th. How do we solve a problem like Maria? Today's scripture reading is from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, from the First Nations Version. Note, since we tend to be very familiar with the story of Mary as told in the Gospel of Luke, I'm reading from the First Nations Version, an indigenous translation of the New Testament, or the FNV, in the hope that this will make room for a fresh hearing of the familiar. The FNV translates biblical names and places, usually bracketing the more familiar English words following. I'm omitting the brackets. First, this makes for a cleaner reading and less tedious flow. And second, I'm confident that you'll be able to figure it out. I hope you'll find, as I do, that not only does this make space for a fresh hearing of the perhaps overly familiar, but also will resonate in you as it does in me, as Native American and Native Hebrew cultures meet. And now for the reading. Luke 1, 26 and 27. When six moons had passed, the Great Spirit sent the same Spirit Messenger, Creator's Mighty One, to another small, out-of-the-way place in the hill country called Seed Planter Village. There he appeared to a young virgin woman named Bitter Tears, who was promised in marriage to a man named He Gives Sons, a descendant of the great chief, Much Loved One. This is God's Word. Well, I prayed about it, and I've decided I really don't want to stand on the shoulders of Mary of Nazareth as we let her tell her story. It just feels, well, a bit presumptuous to me. But then it feels totally fitting for my friend Nadia to do so. Okay, let me clarify. Nadia is a straight-talking Lutheran pastor who often finds herself amidst plenty of controversy which makes her a perfect choice for voicing the story of Mary or of any of these five women in Matthew's genealogy of Jesus. And let me also clarify that when I say she's my friend, what I really mean is that I met her once at a conference in Denver, had a conversation with her, and she signed a copy of one of her books for me, which makes her more of a friend, actually, than most of the people who call me friend on Facebook. Besides, I really wanted to be a woman's voice finishing out this series on the five women of Matthew 1, even if you're just listening to my voice reading her words. At least they're her words. Hopefully between Luke's voice being channeled by the indigenous voice of the First Nations version and Nadia's voice in her sermon about Mary, we'll do right enough by Mary of Nazareth as we contemplate good news of great joy for those who simply trust the person, if not the plan. So, Nadia, please take us home. I have this memory from when I was 12 years old of going to a friend's house for a sleepover and feeling 
quietly scandalized by something I discovered about her and her family. No, they weren't heroin addicts or part of an armed militia. They were Catholic. And they weren't even trying to hide it. Seeing the images of Mary all over their house, well, this Church of Christ girl wouldn't have been more scandalized if those pictures in their living room were Playboy pinups. I knew Catholics existed with their saints and candles and rosaries and all their other exotic ways of being wrong. But now I had met some, and I realized I couldn't stop staring at their Mary. She seemed luminescent and good and trustworthy and her beauty strong. And I was secretly jealous as I'll get. Because let's be honest, Protestants don't really know what in the world to do with Mary. It's like Roman Catholics already have dibs on her and we just kind of stand by, only dusting her off once a year to be the pretty young girl in the nativity set and then putting her quickly away before she embarrasses anyone. So after that night of being transfixed by my Catholic friends Mary, I didn't pick up my love of her again until my 20s, which is sad because there are so many reasons to love Mary. So, as we pause for a moment of personal reflection and prayer, ponder. Protestants don't really know what in the world to do with Mary. Do you find this true for yourself? Do you find yourself keeping your distance from Mary due to the Catholic emphasis upon her, sort of like that distant cousin that you only visit once a year at Christmas? How might she mean and speak more to us than that? Lord, how easy it is to stop at the headline featuring in biblical lore too often manly men dominating the show. Lead me beyond such headlines writ large and bold to the hidden figures and the byline in the fine print without whom the story would never have been told. Nor we here to tell it or to hear it or to live it. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, Mary. Help me not to brush by them or their stories, no matter how unsavory or scandalous the details at times, as they frequently weathered the abuse and domination of an all-too-often heavy and abusive male hand, rising up as true mothers of Israel, rising to rock the cradle of the world, the new heavens and the new earth in which justice and mercy meet through the one born in Bethlehem, on one starry, starry night. For your mercies. <laughs>